worship team for not neglecting their gift and for leading us in worship. Uh, it is great to see you guys and be back with you this morning after being sick uh, for over a week and missing worshiping together last Sunday. And from everyone that's talked to me, uh, didn't Mike Surgeon do a great job? Always dependable, always a, a welcome person to have speak in the pulpit. It is nice uh, that we get to do uh, life together. And I want to thank you for your comments this past week on the start of our 21 days of prayer. Uh, today is day four, so if you haven't started with us yet, that's okay. You could jump in at any point. Uh, even if you're not watching uh, the one to two minute videos on social media, at least you can set your alarm and do five for five, you know, five minutes of prayer at 5 p.m. And whatever season of, of life you're in, wherever you are on your spiritual journey with the Lord, uh, this is something that we can all be active and involved in together. And, and I fully intend, and I hope to share in the coming weeks with you, some of the stories of, of the way God is answering our prayers as a church family. So I just want to encourage you again, uh, take five minutes out of every day and pray with one heart. Now as I kick off this, this last in this message series of pray, give, and go, uh, let me just ask you a question. What were you doing in the 90s? Now for some of you, you would say, I, I wasn't even alive in the 90s, so that was an easy one to answer. Some of you were alive in the 90s, but you don't have a clue because you don't remember what happened in the 90s. But let me be a little more specific. What were you doing in 1995? William Jefferson Blythe III, better known as Bill Clinton, was the president of these United States. Ty Detmer was on his way out, and a young squirt named Brett Favre was quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, and he would win the first of three of his NFL MVP awards. In the NBA, Hakeem Olajuwon and the Houston Rockets were going at it with Shaquille O'Neal and the Orlando Magic. The introduction of DVDs started a mass collection for many of you of now unusable VHS tapes as they replaced them. A popular pizza was released to the public proclaiming, it's not delivery, it's... DiGiorno, which if you know Italian, is flavored cardboard, okay? <laughs> there was a Latin group known as Los Del Rio that was tearing up the dance floors with the Macarena. And I thought about doing that this morning, but I like my job, so I'm not going to do that. Uh, a certain group of friends, Seinfeld, they were cracking us up on television along with another group of friends called Friends. The first feature-length film to be entirely computer-animated, of course, was the first feature film uh, from Pixar for Disney, Toy Story. And it was a delight for children and adults alike. And you could buy a gallon of gas in Ohio for a whopping $1.26 a gallon. Those were the good old days, right? But the really big newsmaker of 1995 was a group of believers who came together from barn to building as a community to start the Springfield Church of Christ. And you know, like movies and music and fashion and technology change, a lot has changed since 1995. People have sure changed, haven't they? Elderships have changed, preachers have changed, but one thing that has not changed is the God we serve. 
And God is still impacting the lives of others through the ministries of this church. And I believe if we take that mandate seriously that we've been talking about, to pray, to give and go seriously, then believe it, our best days can yet be ahead of us. We've spent uh, two weeks, really the last two series, talking about what would happen if we just wrecked the roof when it comes to how we pray. If we prayed like we never prayed before. If we gave like we'd never given before. And today, if we just went in our service for our God and King. In other words, what would it be like if we just let God be God in our lives? I think then we would be able to see what the Apostle Paul spoke of in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21, where it says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. What if we would just surrender our life fully, totally to to the leadership of God and we got really intentional about touching the lives of other people with the good news of Jesus, with, with love? And I think that's a great question for every one of us to ask today. Is there anyone here this morning that would classify themselves as a cinephile, a movie buff? Okay. Uh, very quickly, what I want to ask you to do is I want you to turn to the person next to you and I want you to tell them, just off the top of your head, your two favorite movies of all time. Okay, 20 seconds, you don't have a lot of time to do it, but just look at the person next to you, your two favorite movies of all time. Go. All right. Guys, you should have said our wedding video, but if you didn't, you know, you'll be forgiven. Uh, but l- let me give you my top five, and, and these kind of change from time to time. And I know that these may not be on your list, because we all have different tastes, right? All different likes. But these are, these are my top five that I thought of as I worked through this. Number five has got to be the third installment of a five-part series, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I love Harrison Ford and Sean Connery calling him Junior all the way through the movie. Uh, But seeing all the references to the Holy Land and the Grail legend, I mean, to me, that was just just great. Number four on my list was a remake of a show that I saw as a kid about a doctor accused of killing his wife, but he really didn't do it. It was a one-armed man uh, who had killed her, and it's a movie with Tommy Lee Jones as this U.S. Marshal chasing Harrison Ford's character, who is the fugitive, yeah. And it's just that fast-paced movie, you know, with with train crashes and bus crashes, and and at one point he takes this swan dive off of a dam into the water below, and it's just a thrill ride. Now, number three for me probably would not make most of your list, but it's this quirky, goofy little movie called... The Princess Bride. How many of you have seen this movie? Okay, I, I just love this guy all the way through the movie in this line, you know, hello, my name is Manita Montoya, you killed my father, prepare to die. And this little bald guy all through the movie keeps, keeps saying, that's inconceivable. And Andre the Giant, I mean, it was just a great movie to me. 
Uh, number two on my list, it just cracks me up. And nobody probably thought about this, but it's, it's a movie about mental health issues. You're like, yeah, we figured you'd have one of those, Bill. Um, if you're in a family with mental health problems, you know from time to time, so you just have to choose joy. And you just have to laugh your way things together. And so this movie that's on my top five is a movie called What About Bob? It is, and it's not Bob here, but it's a different Bob. It's one of my favorite movies. It stars Bill Murray and Richard Dreyfuss. And, and Murray plays this neurotic guy called Bob Wiley, who, who really ends up being one of the most normal guys at the end of the film. But, but he drives Dreyfuss, his psychiatrist, absolutely crazy. And there's this one scene where, where Bob Wiley's in the psych ward and all these doctors are around him and they're listening to him and they think he's the funniest thing ever. And he says this great line that I think of from time to time. He said, roses are red, violets are blue. <laughs> I'm schizophrenic and so am I. I mean, that's just a great line to me. But my number one movie, and I gotta be honest, the first time I walked out of the theater, uh, I was crying, and there was a lump in my throat, and, and I asked myself, you know, why is that? It was this imaginative and incredibly creative movie. The acting was spot on. Uh, it was clever. It was poignant, funny, moving. Uh, the soundtrack, you know, I grew up with the music. It was, it was great. The photography was breathtaking, and I learned three really profound life lessons from this movie. The first thing I learned was... Life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. And I also learned, secondly, stupid is as stupid does. Now that has nothing to do with, with your IQ. It has everything to do with the choices you make and, and what kind of integrity you choose to live your life with. And the third thing that I've always wanted to do, and I think I've mentioned this to you before, uh, I, I learned this great life lesson that when you're finished as a communicator with a sermon or whatever, you just say, that's about all I have to say about that, and sit down, and that's it. One day I'm going to do that. Uh, but, <laughs> but this movie, it's just about this real simple guy who's just trying to, to live life the best way he knows how. He just tries to be honest, to treat people right, uh, to make the wisest decision he can, and to keep his promises. It was a gripping movie to me, and it won the Oscar in 1995. But there's a scene in the movie where Forrest Gump is standing at the grave of his, his wife, Jenny. And she died at a young age, you'll remember if you saw the film, because of a lot of bad life decisions. And, and, and he's just standing there, and it's kind of this emotional scene where he asks this question as he stands there. He says, I don't know if it was Mama or Lieutenant Dan that was right. Do we just show up kind of accidental-like and float around like a feather on breeze? Or, or do we have a destiny? When I thought about this series, Pray, Give, and Go, I thought, that, that's the question. When I heard him ask that, you know, it's the question that everybody who shows up on this planet has to answer for themselves. Do we just kind of show up accidental-like and float through life like a feather on the breeze, or is there a purpose? Do we have a destiny? You see, I look around culture, and I see all kinds of people that have bought into the, the option number one. The first answer to that is saying, yeah, life is accidental. It is purposelessly random. And I get that. 
Because at an early age, we're taught what? That we come from nothing and we really go to nothing. And so everything in between, it, it kind of amounts to nothing. That life is, is impermanent. And if there's no destiny to life, well, there's really no purpose. And if there's no purpose, then there's no passion. And if there's no passion, there's no truth. And, and if there's no right or wrong, well, you just make it up as you go along. In fact, the number one word that sociologists have come up to describe the last two decades of our society is the word whatever. It's the whatever generation. And sometimes I run into to believers that would say, Bill, I go to church. I believe in God. I, I was raised in the church. I, I've always gone. We've always been that kind of family. But friends, you do know, don't you, that going to church and having a real, vibrant, living relationship with Jesus are two very different things. And so we live this life sometimes having one foot in the light and one foot in the dark. I don't know if you, you realize it, but, but living two lives, it's tough. It's hard enough to live one life, let alone living two. It's exhausting as a lifestyle. But if you're tired... If you're, if you're weary of being incomplete, of being a phony, well, then you've got option number two of recognizing that this life, it's not accidental. We are not just feathers on the breeze at the mercy of the wind. We don't just show up. Friends, we are on assignment. Our lives are by design. Look at what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 13. He says, we, however, will not boast beyond proper limits, but we'll confine ourselves to boasting in the sphere of service that God himself has assigned to us, a sphere that also includes you. You see, option two in Paul's life was just throwing up your hands and saying, God, I'm tired. I, don't, I want to live more of a life that, than just is a routine. I, I don't want to live the accidental kind of life anymore. I want to surrender to you. I want to have the kind of love that I've read about, that I've heard about, and maybe that I've only dreamt about. I want you to be in my life as the forgiver of my sin and the maker of my destiny. Jesus, I want to follow you wherever you want to take me. Some of us grew up singing that song, you know, where he leads me, I will follow, where he leads me, I will follow, where he leads me, I will follow. All the way. And did you notice what it said in that verse? It's the sphere of service that God himself has assigned to us. And it includes others. You see, in, in that day, when we make that decision, we move beyond praying and giving to recognizing life is not a whatever, it's a wherever. I can't describe to you the difference that has made in my life since the day I made the move. And as a preacher, I can honestly say to you that I've not always stayed on track. I have, I have messed up time and time again. And I've tried to take control back within my life and make my own destiny. But in those selfish moments, I began to realize that my sphere of, of controlling things was really my inability to be complete. And God had to discipline me to bring me back. And he does that still today. 
And God never promised that it would be an easy adventure, but he did promise it would be an adventure. And with him, I've gotten to do things. I've gotten to meet people and and see things that I would never have any other way. You see, Jesus said, I want my children to have not just life, but an abundant life. He said in John 6, 63, the spirit, it gives life. This flesh, it counts for nothing. Jesus said, the words I've spoken to you, they are full of the spirit and full of life. Friends, God changes people and he leads us in our destiny of becoming more and more like Jesus. Now, I'll admit, I got a long, long way to go, but I'm telling you, it's the only life worthy of pursuing. And when you do, when you surrender to God and go wherever, it stokes the furnace of your soul. So that when you read verses like Jeremiah 29, 11, you get excited where God says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. That doesn't sound like a whatever existence to me, does it to you? Or you read verses like Ephesians 1, 14, where it says, long before he laid the earth's foundations, he had us in mind. He settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. That's not a show up kind of accidental in life kind of existence, a floating on the breeze like a feather kind of life. It sounds like a God who who created us for good and for a purpose. And he says, out of all creation, I'm going to pour my love. I'm going to focus it on you. And then you read in Philippians 1, 6, where it says, I'm certain that God who began a good work within you, he's going to continue that work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Again, that doesn't look like a whatever kind of existence to me. It sounds to me like we've got a God who wants to move inside of us, who wants to fill us with the good things of his love, and then move through us that makes an impact not just until the day we die, but until the day Jesus comes back. So long after we are dead and gone and have left this planet, we are leaving a legacy because we choose to go wherever he sends us. It blows me away when I read verses like Ephesians 2.10 where it says, we are God's what? Masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things that he planned for us long ago. And that doesn't seem, again, like a show-up, accidental kind of life. And here's where, I, where I'm going with this, pun intended. You can pray without passion and call yourself a Christian. You can give as a Christian without being generous or, or experiencing the joy of the gift that you bring. But you cannot pray to the God who created you. You cannot pray to the God that you know exists, that saved you, that created you for a purpose. You cannot do all that and not Go as a believer. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, We are therefore Christ ambassadors. We have a calling. We have a purpose. We have a mission. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. 
To, we are his hands and his feet on this planet while we're here. And the good news is that whether you are a believer long time or short, whether your life is long or short upon this planet, you can choose to live your life in the hands of the destiny maker. You can choose to see it as an all-out adventure where you spend your days touching the lives of other people with the love and hope of Jesus Christ. That's why God created you, to do life with him and to be light and life in this dark world. A couple of weeks ago, uh, before I got ill, she knew where I was going, and so Pam Nichols shared with me that she is in the planning process of going with a missions team from Westerville uh, to Africa. And and I'm sure she's going to go through a whole lot of Band-Aids and a whole lot of aspirin on that trip, some for herself and and some for the people that she's going to be treating there. But I know two things for sure. One, it's going to be hard work. But also, it's going to be so much fun. Because not only do you get to see the generosity of the people that you're serving, you get to see the servants themselves come alive. You get to see believers doing what believers do best and letting the power of God flow through them. I am so excited when we have the privilege of hosting uh, our missionaries, when, when Josh and Wanda Beery are here from Mountain Mission School and, and they participate with us for VBS or they lead a program here and you see the joy and the excitement they have because they've gone and they want us to be caught up in that joy as well. Or you have Keith Warner come from Butler Springs and, and invite us to come and clean and serve and teach or, or be dorm parents there. Or John and Ruth Chestnut, when I see the joy of you as you bring in clothes that we're sending to Kosovo or, or funds to buy heating wood and things for them in Kosovo, I get so excited when I hear of young people that, that choose to go to school to become teachers, to work with the underprivileged in Clark County. Or to those who want to go and serve those caught up in the trafficking of human life. Because people that are full of passion, people that are full of mercy and joy, they are contagious people. And I just want to say to you, friends, life without Jesus is boring. For some reason, the world has flipped that on in and they think that Christians are the most boring people in the world. No way people who follow Jesus Christ, we were meant to be the most exciting people on this planet. And and I look, I know so many people that that are just bored. So many men in this society that are are bored and, and they cannot serve as missionaries. They cannot serve as elders and deacons, first of all, because they've never learned to serve in their own homes. And they look at their wives and children as though they are there to serve them. And they don't understand that life is sacrificing yourself for others. And so they live the same day, a life day in and day out. And they're bored. Then there are those. God love you. You know, when I preached that story about Tony Campolo and, and, and the need that the lady had in that women's group for $5,000 for a missionary, and, and he wouldn't pray for her, but he said, let's just take up what's in our pockets. And they came up with $7,000. And he said the audacity, you know, of asking God for just $5,000 when he already had provided $7,000 in our pockets. And I had some of you email me, some of you text me and said, Bill, you stopped short 
I was ready. I was going to come forward and, and just empty my purse, empty my pockets on the communion table. Why didn't you do that? And, and, and in a way, we're going to do that. Because the elders and I, we want to challenge you. You know, many of you have tithed and given above a tithe your whole life. Some of you have never done that before and just brought the Lord 10%. And sometimes 10% doesn't look like a lot because some of us in this church, you don't make a lot of money. But I want to challenge you on the 21st, that, that Sunday before Thanksgiving, we're going to take an offering that day. And I want to challenge everyone for one day, just one day, to give 10%. I want you to see what honoring the Lord's word can do. What blessing God can provide if we just all say, Lord, on this day, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm going to pray about it. But this one day, I'm going to tithe 10%. But on the other end, my heart breaks. I love the excitement and I love people telling me about that. But friends, when we consider the life that Christ has given to us, the sacrifice he has made for us, we should be that excited every day. When we talk about praying, we ought to be eager to hit the floor. And as we roll out of the bed in the morning, just thanking God for the bounty, for the gift of one more day of life to follow and to know and to love and to serve him. We ought to be thankful every day and filled with an encouragement and an enthusiasm. In fact, the word enthusiasm is two Greek words, in, theos, in, God. And if God is in you, you should wake every day with an enthusiasm to say, God, today I'm turning my life inside out. I'm turning my pockets inside out. I'm turning my prayer life inside out because I want to see how much I can show you my love for you. Some of you, I look at your lives and I'm just so blessed to know and, and see what you've done in your love for Christ. But if I could compare what happens in our life in a certain way, it would be like this. It'd be like getting into a pool. Now, if you're honest with me, some of you guys, you are toe dippers. You go up to the edge of the pool and you stick your toe in, ooh, that's cold, and you step back. Or maybe you'll come back up again and you'll put your foot in. That's cold again. Then you'll go up to your ankles, ooh, and all the way from your ankles up to your, your neck, you'll be like, ooh, 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 a little bit at a time. That is the most excruciating and traumatic way ever to enter a pool, okay? What's the best way to enter a pool? You jump in, you just take a deep breath. Pull your knees up and you do a cannonball in that and you hit the water and it splashes up and it goes out to the sides and it comes back in and it goes back out, hits the side and comes. And if you're big like me, it goes back out and comes back in and goes back out. But you know what? If those sides on that pool weren't there, what would happen? Those ripples would just keep going and going and going. And what God is saying when we talk about pray, give, and go, it's stop sticking your toe in. Stop sticking your foot or up to your knees. Do a cannonball. God says, you, you test me in these things because my love for you is so great and you will see the impact and the ripples it will make. One of the best illustrations I've ever heard of it was about a man named Harold. And Harold introduced himself uh, to the new preacher of his home church. And he said to him, um, You've probably heard some of the worst of the worst with people's lives, but he said, uh, I guarantee you, you've never met anybody that's been as far from Jesus Christ as I have. He said, I've done some pretty dark stuff. And he went on to tell his preacher. And sure enough, 
You know, the preacher was shocked. He'd never heard some of the things that, that Harold had done. And to make a long story short, Harold did at 50 what many of you did as teenagers. He, he finally raised his hands and said, God, I surrender. Whatever you want from my life, I'm yours. Be the forgiver of my sin. Be the redeemer of, of the days I have left on this earth and work through me. And, and Howard is a really cool guy. When you hear him tell his story, he'll stand up and give his testimony. And he'll say, hello, my name is Harold. I used to be this smelly, filthy trash can of a man. But now he would say, I am a bright, clean, shiny trash can of a man. And after some time, the, the preacher had him and a small group he was a part of come up on the stage. And he just kind of interviewed them one by one. He said, Harold, I never asked you, how did all this start for you? And he pointed down this row of stools with these guys sitting on. He was, it was Stephen down there. He said, me and Stephen were fishing buddies. And, and one day, Stephen and I, we were out in the boat together. And Stephen looked down at me. And he said, Harold, he said, your life is a mess. You need Jesus. <laughs> and, he, and he said he invited me to come to church with him because he said he thought I'd meet Jesus there. And I did. And, he, and, he, and the preacher just said to Stephen, you know, thank you, Stephen. And, and he said, Stephen, how did you come to me, or how did you come to meet the Lord? He, he looked at the guy next to him and he said, well, is this guy right here? Well, next to Howard uh, was another fellow named Luke. And he said, Luke, how about you? How'd you come to know the Lord? He goes, Harold. Harold was my friend. He said, he and I, we used to do lines of Coke together. Now we do lines of scripture together. How, how great is that? And then he went down the line and one after another, it was one man touching the life of another man, touching the life of another man. And the ripples continued. Nanny was a wonderful lady who died at 103 years of age. She was funny, she was sweet, and she was the first one to ever say, you know, when you get to be 100, you don't buy green bananas. You know, I always like that. But when she turned 103, her family threw a little party for her at her house. And she was sitting in her chair over in the corner of this very tiny house. And the family was there, and she was tapping her watch. And she said, you know... 103 is pretty old, as if 102 wasn't there, you know, but she finally hit the mark where she was willing to say, 103 is pretty old. She said, I bet my mom and my sisters are up in heaven saying, where's Ida May at? <laughs> she should be here by now. You don't think she went to the other place, do you? <laughs> but when she was 100, her family threw a party for her. You know, they, they took her picture, sent it in the Today Show. And you remember Willard Scott when he used to do those uh, recognitions of people that were hunted for Smucker's Jelly. Uh, and the day uh, of the party, the family just stood there. And they watched person after person come through. People who had never met Nanny ever before. She sat there in the recliner and they just wanted to say thank you to her. They wanted to greet her and congratulate her. You know, Nanny was never famous. The only time she ever got her name in the paper was when she turned 100 on her birthday. She never had money. She never went to college. She never had a driver's license in her entire life. She was widowed for over 50 years of her 103 years, but she raised six girls in a little house with one bathroom. That, that's enough for sainthood probably right there. But you know what Nanny decided to do? She said, life has been hard and life has hurt, but I'm not going to live my life in an accidental kind of way. I'm not going to live my life like a feather floating on the breeze. And she did have those six girls, and she poured her faith. 
She poured her life and her love into the lives of those six girls. And you know what they did? They poured their life and faith and love into their three or four children apiece. And then they poured it into their children's lives. And so on the day of this 100th birthday, dozens upon dozens of people came through that, that didn't know Nanny really from Adam. But just to say, thank you. You made a difference. Jesus said in Mark eight thirty five. It's only those who throw away their lives for my sake and for the sake of the good news that will ever know what it means to really live. So let me just close by asking, do do you know what it is to really, really live? Are you praying to wreck the roof? Are you praying these days like you've never prayed before? Are you giving like you've never done before? And are you willing to say, wherever, Lord, I'll go like you never have before? 23 years ago, a group of believers did a cannonball right here and started the Springfield Church of Christ. And we're living in the ripples. So what about us? Are we going to do the same for future generations? You've got to make a choice. Are we going to float around? Or we're going to put our lives in the hands of the destiny maker. Would you stay on me this morning? And would you pray with me? God, you're so good. You've been good to me. Father, you, you know who I am. You know what I'm about. You know where I was when you found me. You know the struggles that we've been through together. And Father, yet here today as I come and and just surrender one more day to you in this world, you choose to love me. You choose to forgive me. Father, I, I know that within this room, there are the redeemed. They're my brothers and sisters. But there's somebody in this room that's just living exiled from you today. Maybe they've wandered and walked away from the life that you offer. Maybe within their life, they, they have just, well, they've lived for themselves. And it's ended up to be the dead end that it is. They're empty. They're looking for hope. They're looking for purpose. And, and they're tired of this accidental floating. Father, I ask that you, by your spirit, would just draw them to yourself this morning. That they would surrender to you again. Just throw up their hands and say, God, I'm yours. Everything that I am, take I belong to you. Father, I bless you for the hard, hard work that the missions team has done preparing for this past month of focusing on praying and giving and now going. And even though I wasn't able to bring the message last week, Father, it's a lifetime message. Lord, we will follow you where you lead. Help us to see you clearly. Help us to listen to you intently and help us to surrender to you with abandon for your honor and for your glory and for your adventure in Jesus' name.